0: The Asian Cinema Film Club. This is our first recap of our countdown to Halloween, better known as Asian Horror Month, or better still known as Elwood Does Something Stupid for 31 Days, time of the year again. Um, as previously, we've obviously done Takashi Miike month, we did Anthony Wong month, and this time we are doing genre, which in this case is going to be horror, and we are doing 31 days, I say we, uh, I'm doing 31 days of uh, Asian horror, and Stephen will pipe up with things that he's seen.
1: Yeah, so... I'm glad you made that very clear that hopefully the long-term listeners realize exactly how this goes that you put yourself through this um and and bless you you're also doing 31 days of horror that you do every year as well
0: (laughs) it's the thing i as i was saying to you i just store up stuff uh for like halloween you save up stuff and you think i'm gonna watch that halloween i'm gonna watch that in october because it seems more fitting and you like focus on other things and then Halloween comes along and it was the same every time we do this 31 days. I somehow mess up the timings like last year we were doing this in sep- we did it in September and it was sort of like you're going from September doing 31 days then into Halloween, which was October um so yeah, it ended up being 61 or 62 whatever it is.
1: You're you're a you're a brave man, and you're doing it for the the good of the doing, podcast. So. Yes, as
0: always, we're just out there, just trying to bring more attention to titles, and uh, you know, getting people talk about Asian horror this year. That's our our goal of uh, of things.
1: In indeed, and obviously, we've got a special episode about a particular film, but this is your uh, this is your sweeping. Up. This is
0: everything else. This is all the uh, detritus on the the film watching floor that we're going to be covering on this one. then obviously you follow our socials uh, on Facebook or Instagram or Freds or Blue Sky. Uh, you can see what we, I, I kind of know why I keep saying we, <laughs> um, you can see what's uh, been watched every, every single day um, with a little bit of a capsule review as well. But kicking things off, we had Bloody Chainsaw Girl from 2016, directed by Hiroko Yamaguchi. Uh, this is actually the first of a trilogy of films, um, which is based on a manga, even in case the title didn't make that obvious enough for you already. Is this a title you'd heard of, Stephen? Because I'm not sure if it sort of fell into your highbrow watching or not, so...
1: <laughs> well, it isn't, and I haven't. However, you say that, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, I do have a secret. If it's the kind of film I think it is, (laughs) then I do have a, a sort of a secret liking for these kind of high concept, low budget Japanese movies where. And I haven't seen it, let me just guess, alright? And you okay. tell me how you, far wrong you have I a am miraculous. That there's that there's there's a, there's a young girl or more in a in a sailor sailor school uniform suit that is going that there is some weapon involved and there's usually sort of rubbery prosthetic y monsters or something going on. Is it in that kind of ballpark?
0: Okay. Uh yes, she's a uh, a Japanese schoolgirl who wields a huge chainsaw because her family yep. are breakers, so um, and uh, she has to basically fight the school where all her schoolmates have been turned into cybernetic zombies by one of her other classmates called Nero. and at the same time she has to set a pickup test. So if you ever played the game lollipop chainsaw? I'm aware of... I've got it on my Xbox 360. okay. In the sense...
1: In the sense... I've got the... The, the, the media. I've never played you should, it.
0: First, you, should, you should definitely check it out. Because it's a really great game. It was written by James Gunn.
1: I was going to say James Gunn had something to do with it. Yeah,
0: yes. and um, the soundtrack was produced by Jimmy Urine of uh, Mindless Self-Indulgence.
1: That's not a reference, I know. But,
0: okay. okay. So... Uh, mindless Self Indulgence is probably best known for um, having the bass player who Jared Way of My Chemical Romance is married to and Jimmy okay. Urien is married to the lead singer of Morning Wood who are also really good Gotcha. Okay, still know where we so far? I'm, I'm okay, there. Okay, good. I'm there. Um, so, yes, it's basically a very similar concept to, as I said, Lollipop Chainsaw, in the fact that, as I said, we have girl with huge chainsaw, which m- manages to get upgraded by, the, of course, the super smart uh, nerdy student, who means it has, like, a gun, it has a telescopic uh, extension on it. And we all builds up, basically, to her taking on this... Uh, this rival student, Nero, who also has her own zombie chainsaw known as the Chainsaw of the Dead uh, in a climactic a chainsaw duel. Um, I really enjoyed this one. I think it's a lot of fun, and I know it certainly has its fans out there, especially if people like me, the manga, and certainly when we posted it up, there's a few people on the socials who have expressed their love for it as well. But, you know, it's fast-paced and extraordinarily silly, but you can't say it doesn't deliver on the title's promise.
1: Yeah, I, I um so I'm just doing a bit of a look up. So I, I was gonna say I suspect it's like Vampire Girl versus Frankenstein girl. Yeah, yeah, it's that's um, sort of wheelhouse. Dead, Dead sushi. But it's also in the same wheelhouse as Big Tit Zombie, which is a film I've seen. <laughs> which the it's the, the the same manga author, Ray uh Makimoto okay. is the is, is the the he wrote both mangas that both of the films are based on. I mean they I don't know what I do have a silly love for that. Back from. What was the very first one called? Uh, not the very first. One, was it the Machine Girl or something like that? Which is a. Oh film. yeah,
0: you have Machine Girl and like Tokyo Gore Police and Meatball Machine. Yeah. And and, and
1: I will bring Machine, Gun Girl, Machine, Machine Girl, Girl yeah.
0: to the show
1: at some point because I think that's a that's a fabulous film. But it's it's these they're wonderfully low budget. They're just really excuses for sort of some splattery special effects and rubbery special effects and some pretty young girls to run around. Even things like Big Tit Zombie aren't quite as exploitative as the Mm -hmm. title sounds. And there are some lovely ones out there. Again, you may be covering some of these, but like Attack Girls Swim Team versus The Undead. And uh, Gothic and Lolita Psycho. I mean, the, just the names are glorious. And, and of course, Zombie Ass, the Toilet of the Dead. There's, there's just loads of these. I can't pretend to have watched them all, but we could probably spend a year just covering films like most that. Most of
0: them the under uh, Sushi Typhoon release most of these.
1: That's that's right. But it's it's a whole... Sub genre that somehow we've missed, but I, I enjoy them so yeah.
0: Um, this film also features a girl firing a uh, rocket launcher out of a never regions, which reminded me of that Takashi Miike movie, uh, where the girl fires the dart out of there.
1: Yeah, yeah, we, we've done a lot of cop chopping, we haven't done a lot of vaginal weapons, um. That, again that's something else we probably
0: need to do. I, I one of these days I'm gonna I will sit down and chart all the uh, the penis trauma we cover, because we seem to constantly mm. find them and it seems that uh, that we should be like charting these for someone who wants these we this. should do
1: there should be a let there should be a letter box list for genital mutilations or genital yeah. weapons
0: compared to some um, of the lists I make sure. on there I think it's <laughs> uh, Okay, next up we had zombie for sale um, Which is also known as the odd family zombie for sale Um, This is a zombie comedy, but you probably wouldn't be able to tell it from the cover that arrow um, Have put out which uh, has like a zombie holding what appears to be a brain, but it's actually a cabbage Um, But this is a really really fun um, Comedy, this is a South Korean one. Um, This is from Lin Min Jae And basically it follows this uh, eccentric family living in a small backwater town. And they think they've found the solution to their ongoing financial worries when they find a zombie who's got a taste for carriages. And his bite appears to restore the youth. So all the aged uh, population start going to him to get themselves bitten. And suddenly they've got all this youthful vibrance and they're like running around the town and, you know, the, the family making a killing. It's also at that point that the zombie virus actually kicks in and they manage to spark a whole zombie plague. But, you know, this is a really fun romp. It's got memorable and likable characters, and it's really kind of a shame that it's as overlooked as it is, Um, especially if you're a fan of films like, you know, The Host, um, those sort of, like, family, the family group ones. Sorry. Web page, I (laughs) I just heard you're playing an advert.
1: (laughs) I was thinking, What the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, sorry about that.
0: So, yeah,
1: yeah, so I haven't seen this one, but it's on my watch list. Um, there are again, you're tapping into a um, another subgenre, the Korean zombie movie (laughs) of which there are plenty. Um, obviously, you've got Train to Busan and it's sort of prequel and sequel, Soul Station and Peninsula. Yeah. Um, you've also got the TV show Kingdom. You've got... There was a, a film, I can't remember what it was called, but basically the same plot as Kingdom. Um that was, came out pretty much the same time. There's another film I'm thinking of, which was a low-budget comedy from about 10 years ago, where, you know, like in Shaun of the Dead, at the end, um, the Nick Frost character is basically kept as a yeah. pet, based. Um, it, that that was basically... It. They, they basically keep a young zombie girl as a pet. I can't remember what it's called, but basically there is yeah zombie films co- come and go a bit like vampire films and so on and so forth but South Korea did really get into the the whole zombie thing and did some interesting spins um certainly in terms of comedy which is this this one it sounds like and also in terms of doing some sort of stuff with historical um setting them in like the Joseon period and stuff like that so this yeah this one has been one I've been um Wanting to watch for a while, so all you've done is just pushed it up the watch list a bit.
0: Because I mean, as I say, when it comes to Asian cinema, I think it's the only place that that you can find still interesting zombie movies. It feels. I mean, certainly there were some European examples, such as like um, I try to remember. There's there's one uh, a French one, and um, I think it's The Host or I didn't.
1: There's a there's a wonderful one called something where there's a guy it's a French movie and he basically sleeps through the zombie apocalypse. Okay. Cuz he goes to a party and he wakes up in this apartment where the party was and then it's in Paris and basically the zombies have taken over. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, it's it's a bit of a two-hander where most of the time he's on his own. It's very similar to another film I know you're going to talk about, basically. I think it's called The Dead Sleep at Night or something like that. But it's really good. It's really good. Um, Again, I like it when... There's sort of two ways you can go with a zombie film. You can play it fairly straight and just have it as a survival against unrelenting zombies. Yeah. Yeah. And there's... there's, You can watch a George Romero. You can watch uh, Fulci. You can watch lots of them. Or there's occasionally someone just something really interesting with the genre, uh, and and there were a lot of comedies like Shaun of the Dead spawned a lot of comedies about, didn't it? Um, or you can set it in a difficult in a different historical time, or you can change up zombies like Twenty One Days Later did. But it all gets very boring very quickly, doesn't it? <laughs> the,
0: yeah, I think mean, this is the thing, especially in the West, is sort of like zombies is so saturated in the horror market. I mean, everyone with video cameras making their cheap-ass zombie movies and and stuff. And then when we look at Asian Sim, I mean, as you said already, they're making really interesting movies. You've got films such as, like, One Cut of the Dead. uh, You've got uh, films like Biozombie, which is really funny as well. You can go even, like, the more sort of extreme sort of titles, such as, like, Junk um, seem to offer a lot more than a lot of the titles that we see sort of, like, every week coming out on the DTV market, like... Zombievers and resort and <laughs> anything that they can work a Z into, basically. Um, but on the obviously the tact of uh, while well, we're talking about zombie movies, um, I'm going to skip ahead of my list and talk about hashtag alive, which came out during the COVID lockdown. Which is the one
1: I thought you were going to talk about, yeah. <laughs>
0: um, I mean, there's a real sense of familiarity just purely because of when it was released, you know, the whole lockdown thing and having that period where you're sort of locked in your, your house. And here a South Korean um, video game streamer f- finds himself locked in his family's apartment when he basically wakes up and finds that the world has gone to hell in a handbasket Um, At the same time, he struggles to deal with his lack of resources and forms a friendship with the girl in the um, apartment opposite to him. This one actually is really fun in the fact that it it throws in some fun elements. I mean, obviously, we get used to the drone cam. We get him trying to get a signal by hanging off his balcony with the selfie stick, which is obviously on the uh, poster. And while the third act tries to do that uh, false sanctuary stick that we obviously saw in like 28 days later and doesn't quite pull it off Um, it's still a very enjoyable watch and i think the fact is only an hour and a half and sort of rattles along at a fair pace really only works more in the film's favor Um, but this is as i said this is a netflix one so it's also got a decent dub as well which i know there's gonna be some people who are frowning on you know listening to a dub but anything that obviously gets more eyes on asian cinema can only be a good thing Plus you can always go and watch the sub afterwards if you want If you watch the dub So
1: So I have seen this one I think I even talked about it on the show once Um, I really enjoyed We'll we'll call it Hashtag Alive (laughs) I don't know what else to call it 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 appears as that on my Cody box (laughs) So So it's always the first film in the list But yeah it's I don't think it's anything particularly Groundbreaking It's fun it hits all the usual beats of these kind of things, you know That there's a, not everyone gets out alive, there's a few red herrings around certain people it feels other than the fact that it's set in a an apartment block and there's a little bit of um, you know, he's a video game streamer there's a thing with a drone isn't there that he's using there's, there's, some, there's some modern IT technical twists on it, but Fundamentally, it's a fairly routine but enjoyable zombie apocalypse story. But I, I enjoyed it, and like you say, the fact it was on Netflix, it was the number one film on Netflix during lockdown. You know, at for for a good period of time. So, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm a fan of it. Although, you know, it's a solid seven out of ten. Not. It's no train to Busan. Is no, 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 no. <laughs> it's, it's not.
0: Just... It's certainly a lot smaller in scale, but I think, as I said, it knows its limitations. And you know, we also include some bike food, which is always popular, especially for you fans. Indeed. Um, Indeed. But uh, yeah, as you said, it's not on the. It's not even in the same sort of um, area as Train to Busan. Train to Busan, interestingly enough, is actually used as like the research material in Zombie for Sale. The family are trying to figure right. out what, how <laughs> zombies work. See, so watch Train to Bazan.
1: Fantastic. Um, just a quick housekeeping. The French film I was referring to is called The Night Eats. Oh the World. right,
0: yeah, I've not watched it. But I've heard Um,
1: of it. from 2018. Yeah, uh, it's. Yeah, it's re- it's really rather good. Although, yeah, especially if you like music. But I won't spoil it anymore. But basically, the guy's a musician and. To stop himself getting bored, he invents new musical instruments. (laughs) Nice. It's quite quite cool. But, yeah, I liked um, Hashtag Alive. And um, the fact it's on Netflix and easily available. And, you know, yes, I will frown on you for watching the dub. But... And I'm pretty certain most listeners to our podcast will do the same. But it's nice to know. And it was all part of that. You know, I think we both noticed... Especially a lot of Korean stuff suddenly becoming popular because it was on Netflix because of lockdown. You know, we had. Um,
0: oh, TV Squid show. Games. Yeah, it was. We had Squid Let's Games. Look we at had... what was popular. I mean, obviously, we had Squid Games, Tiger King, mm-hmm. Contagion, Outbreak, and in this film were like the mm-hmm. top viewed uh, programs.
1: Absolutely. So it it did it did help, I think. Um so yeah. Yeah, I cool. never I
0: for some reason I remember I never watched it and then it was so like I was looking for something to to watch and I, I, this obviously came up on my uh, list and I was like, Oh I'll give this a watch. So
1: Yeah.
0: Um next up uh, we've got a Terminator clone that I found mainly thanks to Rob Hill's uh, Bad Movie Bible YouTube channel. If you've not checked out his channel, I would definitely recommend checking out. Um, his just general narration is like, um, what's that thing the kids like where pretty girls make weird noises close to the microphone? ASMR. Yeah, His voice is like AMSR. Yeah, they go.
1: With... go like this. I don't yeah. know if you heard that and they crink they crinkle um bits of cellophane
0: and I've seen the uh make... the girl with the with the fancy car and then you've got like blue collar workers going transit van <laughs> and she's like Mercedes And it's like and he's like cup holder <laughs>
1: there, there is a whole Reddit subreddit of ASMR stuff that is just credit I think you have to be a certain sort of person for it to have that effect on you. But some people, it really does. So they'll watch like YouTube or or things, um, YouTube or or, um, Instagram or something, and they'll have their headphones on. And apparently, if it affects you, it really does. Like, send shivers up your spine. To me, it just sounds like people. I'm getting
0: breathy on your mic.
1: Yeah, or, or, or chewing something wet <laughs>
0: just, it makes that. about as much sense as people promoting their projects by getting naked. It's like do yeah. I really need to see this to know that you've got an article out it's like depends who it is I suppose <laughs> you, you do exactly. you <laughs> uh we find that the more layers we put on the more success we have though so <laughs> and that, that's best for everybody. <laughs> Um, but yeah, as I said, this one it opens in like the in World War Two, where a secret Japanese lab is working on creating super soldiers using these three Olympic um, divers. And one has had his full completion, so he's got his super armor, and the other two have just uh, been given the super soldier serum. At the same time, the American forces firebomb the city, and the two super soldiers escape uh, the lab while the lab itself is sort of buried now years later um a, a power outage manages to reactivate the mika droid which is this armored soldier and it sets about preying on the patrons of this nightclub that's been built above the lab um who happened to stumble into the basement parking um this is actually a fun film. Um, as I said, it's got a great looking uh, costume design for the Mika Droid, and there's also some nice set design in there as well, but the thing basically plods around like a Doctor Who monster. So, if you're a fan of classic Doctor Who, then you'll probably really get a kick out of this.
1: Yeah, so that's me then. What's it called again? This, this one film? is
0: called Mika Droid Robo Kill Beneath Disco Club Layla. Oh yes,
1: I saw that in your in your letter. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a really cool neon I poster I love, I love the title um, I'm just Yeah, okay I mean, I love, again I just love these high concept ideas <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, No doubt yeah of the action is confined got, to a basement it, parking lot Yeah, I was going to say it's, they, They've never got the budget To pull off a high concept idea Yeah
0: but, um, and these two uh, super soldiers basically return to fill the Kyle Reese role. But the whole film is pretty much right. like Richard Stanley's hardware. Um, and it just works. It just works. That's all, all there is to it, really. You lo- look at this thing and the limitation it has, and yet somehow the thing just works. And I think, cause, again, this is another example of having a brief runtime really helps you work around your limitations and keeps things moving at a decent pace unlike the Mika droid and and
1: what i will say is that the lead actress of this is hiko daguchi who also is in you know you, usually people in this sort of film that's their that's what they do right if they do anything else They'll do films like this But she was in Tampopo She was in Cure Remember the, yeah, f- yeah. Cure, the film we enjoyed And she's in um, Kurosama The guy who directed Cure's um, Charisma as well And she's in the original *Tommy* film So Yeah you uh, I, I, I mean I couldn't pick her out of a lineup, up But um, It's maybe slightly better quality Than I'm imagining Even it's just based in a parking lot I think <laughs> I, may give I think it a you're going to kick out <laughs> of it
0: Because you're a hoovian, So I am I'm well I'm a classic. Yeah exactly. Movie. So yes. this is like you look at this and be like uh and probably really get the aesthetic they're going for. I mean it's not in a quarry but you know uh, the uh <laughs> the effects are on a level.
1: But um It's got it's quite well reviewed as well. So I think if you're into a certain sort of film, it's probably the um I'll probably yeah.
0: enjoy it. Uh, next up, I binged the whole of season one, A Chainsaw Man, which is basically the flavor of the week amongst anime fans, and it's a horror anime that blends elements of splat-eye humor, demon powers, and some incredibly, actually, jaw-dropping action. Um, the film is, the film, I say film, it's only 12 episodes long, so it's not hardly going to take you the longest time to get through it's about a six and a half hour binge, so, you know, just put it on one day, and I think you have fun with it but uh, they've basically forced this uh, boy called denji who's picked up his father's debt um which has been put upon him from the local yakuza who had Originally, uh, who basically carried over the debt that his father had amassed, and in order to pay off his debts, he's already started selling body parts. So he's got he's missing one eye, and a kidney, and one of his testicles. And he has a demon pooch called Puchita, who's basically a dog with a chainsaw in the middle of its forehead. And he's trying to pay off his debt by killing demons and selling their parts to the Yakuza now. When this all goes horribly wrong, because the Yakuza mob make a deal, unfortunately, with a zombie demon who's uh, basically turns them into a bunch of zombies who hack him to pieces, Puchita melds with Denji, turning him into the title of Chainsaw Man, and then teaming up with a government agency to start fighting demons, because they're hunting for the ultimate demon known as the Gun Demon. Aren't you just blown away by this concept already, Stephen? Well, I mean, look at this thing. He's the chainsaw head and chainsaw arms. Well, this is exactly where I was going to go with it. So you
1: you posted, I I guess you must have posted on Facebook or something. And and I did see an image of a guy with a chainsaw head. (laughs) And I have to say, I thought, yeah, that looks pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't make me go and spend six and a half hours watching it. But I thought, again... It's feeding into the. I think I'll, anything Japanese in this world, whether it's manga or live action, there is a certain sort of high conceptness that they just run with that I just don't think we do in the West. Oh,
0: yeah, this is this is um, absolutely insane. I mean, the fact Denji is so broke ass poor, he lives basically in a golf shed. And he's eating, like, just dry bread. And he, like, goes, I've heard people put jam on bread. That's amazing. He's so broke, he can't <laughs> afford jam. So that when he gets taken in by uh, this, as I said, this government uh, team of devil hunters, he's take the lead, uh, so he's sort of like boss lady, of so like, I'll take you on as my pet. And she treats him like a dog, which is no doubt fulfilling a whole bunch of fantasies for certain anime fans. And Ooh. he, like suddenly has money and he makes things called ultimate toast where he puts all the jam he (laughs) can put onto one piece of bread (laughs) um within this group there's also a bunch of other sort of like demon sort of human hybrids in there uh including the demon known as power who is basically this world's version of anya if you're into buffy um you know what that reference is but basically she's a, a devil who hunts uh who helps them hunt other devils and she's got no no social uh cues at all so they have a scene where um denji and her they go to visit one of their members who's in the hospital and it's sort of like yeah we only came to eat all your food and then <laughs> they leave <laughs> so it's uh it's a really really fun film it's got all that sort of violence and splatter and you know i'm really excited for season two whenever that comes out so um, and certainly more excited than Stephen was when we got talking about Battle Royale 2 Requiem. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know you're not a fan. and You know, if that, anyone wants uh, to like go on our co page and buy us some coffees, then you know you could say, I really would love for you to review Battle Royale 2. <laughs> or give us money not it's to fine. review Battle Royale 2. Works either way.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, obviously, if, if the fans want us to watch it, I'll watch it. But I've seen it before and it's shit. It's, no, that's, I know that we're not talking about it tonight, but that's not fair. The, the problem is, it's a shit sequel to an excellent <laughs> film. If it was just the film in and of itself, it would be meh. But because it's <laughs> battle real sequel, <secretly>, it's shit. <laughs> that real
0: highbrow criticism there, isn't
1: <laughs> it? So That that's why right, it's Steven's three letter reviews. Meh <laughs> So <laughs> Meh or Yay or ugh, that's it. <laughs> um
0: but um yeah, I mean, obviously, long-term listeners should know we did our chapter-by-chapter breakdown of the original Battle Royale. You can find it on a separate feed. Just look up Battle Royale podcast, and you can find it there. Um, listener Doofus Rainwright did uh, say that he really enjoyed... Uh, so they? I don't know. I'm going to say... Yes, he. Because it's Alex. Uh, he said that he really enjoyed, really enjoyed listening to it. It was actually on the second listen through, so... Thank you very much for uh, checking that out, and I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Um, as for Battle Royale 2, for myself, it's got this weird curiosity, which means I go and revisit every couple of years, because I'm sure there's something there. And I will say that, you know, apart from that weird third act, where it gets so, sort of like, overly s- saccharine, I d- do think it's actually a pretty decent movie. I mean obviously it suffered the fact that uh, Kinji Fukusaku died during the production and his son Kenta was brought in to take over the production who leaned hard into any controversy the film had so it does have that sort of issue and he also has some weird ideas such as like the um, combining like boy one with girl one so that if one dies the other one dies as well and Ricky Takeuchi showing up as the head teacher role as Ricky Takeuchi, which itself is fantastic, much like um, Takano, playing Takano in the original one. Um, I think Takeuchi basically does the same thing here, but sort of cranks it up another couple of levels as he does with everything. So. But um, yeah, I, I like it for what it is. It's it's not the sequel we would have liked, but you know, at the same time, I don't think it's the worst film out there.
1: No, sorry, I, I, yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you there. I I just think it's yeah. underwhelming is probably better than shit. Um, I think you're right about the final act. It goes a bit well. It's a bit contemporary, isn't it? Because obviously it was made in around the time of one of the gold. That's schools. right.
0: It was. Um, <laughs> there was this real sort of like anti-American statement in it, and the fact that it could be seen as being like Taliban sympathetic as well
1: yeah that's right and it's like the group the wild yeah the wild seven it's the uh,
0: survivors of the previous games who've like teamed together to form a terrorist organization strike back at the adult world
1: Uh, but i do think it did draw some stuff out from the original novel that maybe had been not foregrounded in the first but i know i'm i'm trying to find things. I just remember the opening scene is just the same as the main opening scene. In not, You know the bit where they get told it's this is what Battle yeah. Royale is and and it's, it just feels interminable because I sat through it through the first film and I've never really dug it after that. But it's got some it's, it's okay. okay. <laughs> no, it's not okay. It's crap. It's not for you. Yeah, it's not for me. Okay. Not for me.
0: Uh, next up was another OVA. Or original video animation. This was a bit of a real big thing back in the uh, early days of my anime watching. A lot of things came out as OVAs, and there would often be like, they were kind of like mini series in a way. You would have like about four or six episodes of something, and the this is basically an excuse to talk about Devilman, which is a Go Nagai um, creation. Um, when it came to Devilman, Devilman, as I said, I saw way back in like my early days of watching anime so a lot of the stuff that's been released is sort of like hyper violent and um had no real context to it because you would sort of like stumble across it on late night channel 4 um and of course you know when i say last impression i basically mean that you know it freaked the hell out of me um but they still like always had this weird uh sort of hold on myself while to like go back and watch it much like legend of the other fiend you know that it's got this shocking material to, but at the same time the story is really good and it sort of draws you in so while it's got obviously shocking you with one hand it's really drawing you into like with its world building and so this can be said with like the first two installments of uh, the oVA which uh, is the birth and then it was followed up with The demon bird and the third volume aim on the apocalypse devil man which was released way back in like 2000 um so it was a huge gap between those first two and the third one it just feels like too much of a of a far cry from what the first two films were like sort of setting up and obviously you can go and watch the whole saga is devil man crybaby on netflix which has kind of like mixed results myself being obviously a fan of the original ova but you know those first two OVAs, i think still really stand up even if as i said this is going to include a lot of things that modern anime fans may like find a little more shocking so as i said we got the ultra violence demons body horror sex um these are also like very order of the day sort of things and when you're a kid, it kind of makes you wonder what the hell's happening over in Japan that this is sort of their thing because you assume it's animation. So, you know, like we have animation for like Hanna-Barbera, you know, SWAT cats and Samurai Pizza cats. You don't realize that, you know, anime is its own thing, especially this sort of anime. It's designed for an adult audience, not for like kids. But uh, I mean, at this time, we're still calling like anime manga because manga entertainment was the only the only game in town, really. But um, I think, as I said, it it goes a long way to sort of, like, highlighting just how influential GoNagai's work is. I mean, obviously, GoNagai is responsible for creating things such as, like, the you know the pilot that goes inside the robot when we have like giant Mecha he creates like the magical girl um genre he as i said he did things such like violence jack and as i said devil man so he's a really influential uh creator and certainly the director of the first two would go on to also do uh helsing which is uh, another fun horror anime as well so
1: I have heard of her. Okay, I was wonder. I always wondered what it was. It's, but as you know, I just don't have time for this. Shit. It's an anime <laughs> vampires.
0: Okay. Yeah, um, I also watched Dark Water, but we got a whole episode on that coming out with uh, Rashmi, which is. It was really fun to record and I'm looking forward to you all getting to hear that. We've also got a fun world cinema uh, episode on um, Spulos, also known as The Vanishing as well. And we've also, on the more artsy side of things, we've got Uncle Bumi who can record his past lives. So we're covering a wide spectrum already with uh, Asian Horror Month. And to that extent, it brings us to Calamity of Snakes, also known as Snake Snuff. Because this is a film where hundreds, nay, thousands of snakes are actually killed on film. So.
1: So, yeah. i got to be honest with you. I'm not a fan of killing animals on screen. However, snakes, they can do. <laughs> <laughs> so...
0: Yeah, I mean, this is a Taiwanese creature feature, uh, which basically sees an army of snakes taking over an apartment building after their nest is destroyed by the building's unscrupulous, um, constructor, uh, Francis Chang, um, this is really one of the most surprising films that I've seen get a Blu-ray treatment. This has recently been put out by Unearthed Films. Uh, they've put a really nice Blu-ray together. And prior to this, we just had like the fuzzy dub version that was floating around with like a lot of hard-coded subtitles on there. So it's kind of surprising, especially a film was so heavy on animal violence that it's actually received the uh, remaster treatment. But it's, I suppose, it's got its fans, and at the same time it's got moments where it's like really fantastically like funny and weird like the scenes where you've got like cast members have been having like snakes thrown at them by the production team some of them many of them are fake so you have like people rolling around in masses of snakes we've got the kung fu master who is hired to take out an obviously giant fake boa and he's introduced emerging from a giant box of snakes um we also have these weird bizarre comedy moments so just like there's this large woman who's like chowing down or d'oeuvres at a party and the <laughs> the director for whatever reason thinks it's really funny to speed the film up and then intercut it with pictures of uh stills of like a pig eating a, a um trough so i've is this highbrow Taiwanese humor i don't know steven you tell me so
1: I mean, I, I haven't seen it. I, this is the first time I've heard of it. Um, I'm doing a quick bit of real-time...
0: <laughs> I'll send it over um, to you and then you can enjoy
1: it. reading of it. Yeah, I mean... What I, what I like the sound of is, like you say, it's had a, a fairly recent Blu-ray review. And on the Blu-ray, they have the cruelty-free version <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, there's like <laughs> there's she's... some things which like you know are cultural, such so as like uh, when they're eating like the snake hearts and doing snake blood. So that's obviously got mm. a cultural aspect to it. And then there's other scenes which is just like poor snakes being hacked to pieces, and it's like, damn, it's like this is snake stuff. So, so when
1: I last went to Hong Kong, I went sort of have this ongoing. Ah, contest, I don't know quite what the word was, my friend Lorraine, Hong Kong, and what she likes to do is challenge me to eat certain foods. And our sort of outstanding one was to eat snake. And we arranged to go to Causeway Bay. There's a restaurant there which serves snake. And I was up for it, mate. I was up for it. Until I got to the door and looked in and watched people eating. And it wasn't because the food looked like snake. And I'm sure it would have tasted just like chicken. But it was just white meat in a white broth <laughs> with rice. And I just thought, that just looks so unappetizing, just white on white on white. <laughs> and I, nev- I never got to eat snake. But um, I've eaten other weird things, but uh, not snake. What a shame. Um, but maybe this could satisfy that in some
0: way. Um, I think it really does for snakes yeah. what arachnophobia did for spiders. But, as right. in there's just thousands yeah, of it's, snakes at the end
1: I mean the review I'm reading talks about a giant snake that might have psychic powers a lady in a bathtub a sca- attacked by snakes a scene where a giant snake throws a drum kit at some army guys and lots lots more snake related <laughs> nonsense I mean is it one to pair with snakes in a plane
0: oh this is this goes way beyond what snakes in a plane does
1: <laughs> yeah but where snakes in a plane oh my gosh I've just seen the um Surely that I'm misreading that image there. There's a I'm just looking at the cover. Okay. Is that a woman? Yes, is she in her pants or is she naked there? That's a very strange cover. Um yeah, I'll probably check it out. <laughs> <laughs> For cultural
0: reasons. Um <sighs> Yeah. Okay, next up we have another OVA from my early days of anime watching, and this is Geno Cyber, which was originally released as part of Manga Collection's Cyberpunk Collection. Uh, they released it alongside um, Cyber City Wido Eight Hundred Eight and AD Police. Um, this one i uh, wasn't a huge fan of back when it came out and i can't say i'm too much of a huge fan of now because i think that the first episode's really strong and then the second and third episodes are kind of boring and they don't really sort of live up to what that first episode sort of introduced really um but this is directed by Kyochi Hwata, who directed the equally cool MD Geist films. He also handled the mechanical designs for Angel Cop. Um, and here he presents a world which is sort of united under a global government. And at the same time, a scientist is working on creating a geno-cyber by combining the powers of two psychic sisters to become the ultimate bio-weapon. Yes, this is so much 90s anime right away, isn't it? Um... The geno sub itself is a really cool creation it's like a big sort of like mechanical demon thing and it gets to battle a bunch of cyborg bounty hunters which is also really cool they have a scene where they're like in the sky and they battle for a plane um but you know the film is also kind of icky in places as uh ohata leans hard into the body horror and splatter and i mean this is as we said already this is kind of what we expected from like late 80s into the 90s of anime scene and ultimately it's proves like more of a distraction than any than adding anything to the story and really sort of more of a test of like your gore limit which won't be the first time that i've felt that way about a film um over the course of the season there's another film that i felt was in that sort of same wheelhouse which we'll get to in a minute um but you know it just looking for your old school anime kick I mean this certainly has things to offer from like Citywide Destruction, Massed Henchmen and some really questionable surgery skills
1: yeah obviously not my (laughs) cup of tea this whole era of anime just does nothing for me but I do also understand that it helped popularize it <laughs> it's weird West.
0: isn't it the fact that like the worst anime <laughs> in the world um, just like really sort of led to <laughs> to so much of what followed because I mean as, as you said it before in previous show like back in the day you had basically whatever manga and was put out and you had to, like go on a train to a store and hope they had the volumes you needed Mm. and you would often end up with, like, one volume or something and a volume two or something else, and it wasn't like you could just hop on anime. I couldn't... Uh, sorry, on to Amazon to get your tapes. That didn't come until like, 2001 for myself. There was no, no Crunchyroll. You, you you had to know people who hard-subbed no. stuff for you.
1: Yeah, so... Yeah, you had to get stuff from Manga Entertainment. You had to go to HMV in a big town. Yeah. You know, I was lucky. I I mean it wasn't again, wasn't necessarily my cup of tea, but I'd have to get the train. So I lived in West Sussex at the time, I'd get the train to London on a Saturday and I'd do my on rails tour of comic book <laughs> shops and the big HMV on Oxford Street, which is and there was a Virgin Megastore as well. I think the Virgin Megastore was pretty good for um
0: Yeah, yeah, Virgin Megastore had its this own kind little, of um section. I think we just had like one row of uh manga it was either a row or it was like um like a, a the one side of a she- of a bookshelf that you had uh, had your manga yeah. titles on and they're all i think MVC used to be pretty good as well
1: yeah i remember so if i didn't go to london we'd go to brighton brighton's the biggest town near from where i'm from and there was a virgin mega store there that had an amazing upstairs was just comics You know, this was post 1986, post Watchmen, post Dark Knight Returns. So the comic book scene in the UK just got massive, and as part of that giant floor of American comic books, there was manga, although not a lot. I mean, it's all like the Dark Horse things, like Crying Freeman, stuff like that. And then, but there were videos and the mostly i'm pretty certain the only label was uh, <laughs> but yeah i, I think it was wrong.
0: um there's mangrove statement there was adv i think was the other one as well yes um
1: but yeah. i mean i used i i mean this is video cassettes so this is before dvds or, or fairly contemporaneous with dvds well dvds would probably be a bit later wouldn't they that'd be more like the 90s um because I used to, again, we've talked about this before, so I used to get cult So, do you remember the Redemption? Oh, the
0: Redemption is that to, the one that I, don't I used know, to the get Jess my... Franco ones.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to get all my Killer Nun movies and stuff like that on VHS. I'm really annoyed I got rid of them all, actually. I, I sent them all to, uh, I forget what, cash converters. I
0: think I've got a copy of Sacred flash around here to my... send you still, so.
1: Yeah, I I love all that shit, but it was that was the place where you'd get your your that would be the only way to get anime. You'd go to some kind of large video record shop, and now I think I like we were talking the other day. I went to Waterstones in Reading, and there's three sides of a cubby are just manga and it's the only part of it's a large waterstones the one in Reading it's the sort of second the first floor is like a mezzanine floor so it's not full but there are always people in the manga section buying stuff and reading stuff the rest of the shop is dead (laughs) because who goes and buys books anymore yeah, it's always been a bit of a mystery how Waterstones keeps going. Uh, to be honest with you, are you not an? You're an expert. Yeah, 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 yeah. Something I was uh, to...
0: boarders. You know where people had to know things. Uh, but we had a real mm. rivalry. with Waterstones to tell you that much. Um, yeah, Waterstones is owned by the same group who own HMV. So that uh, HMV would um, would be generating money, and they pump money into Waterstones. And now, obviously, they're the only bookshop on the high street. Um, and if it drinks as well the fact that they put cafes into bookstores that's also helps keep them afloat um, whereas borders also made the mistake of like buying two bigger buildings they were like buying like huge spaces rather than like and when they should really focus on buying smaller spaces and uh, we were basically losing money all the all the time but um, no borders is hands down one of my favorite jobs of all time so it's go to work and hang yeah, out with I mean, friends I and talk about books and movies all day. That's all you did.
1: Uh, abs- absolutely. I get, but it's, it's you know, within a, the t- our younger listeners, will okay, go, what are these two old fogies <laughs> talking about? But it used to, you know, now I can just buy anything I want. Yeah, thanks Amazon. for that. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Or, like you say, there's streaming services. No, there's dedicated streaming services for anime which are all dubbed for you you're absolutely right it used to it used to have to i mean even in the early days of the internet i remember downloading stuff i, I did it at work because that's the only place we had fast internet and they wouldn't be subtitled and there would be fan subs available i had no mechanism of getting them into a place I could watch it. I didn't have a mobile phone I could watch it on, so it'd be on my PC. My tower PC. And so I couldn't even watch it on my TV. I couldn't stream it. I couldn't cast it to a TV or anything. But we, we really went through it, Elwood. It didn't is we, there, I mean, there was stuff.
0: rivalries between fan sub communities who would put warnings to other fan <laughs> subbers out there. I mean there's the whole Miami Mike um scandal if you're in like in the dragon ball circles which for years no one knew who the hell miami mike was nor why he what he did to get threatened by someone else you <laughs> just remember this title card that said you know what you did miami mike and it's like for years no one knew um and i think it was the anime nostalgia podcast who finally cracked the mystery of that one so
1: i mean it's like uh it, I I don't know that, and maybe that's something you can tell us about. But it is like the um, again a scene that you'll know about from the sort of early '90s, the whole sort of a Amiga demo scene stuff and the cracktros and stuff like that, where all this shit was going, all, all this sort of shit was being thrown through the different cracking groups and having to go at people when there were text files on there, people's phone numbers and <laughs> stuff, and so yeah, but, but, so. It, these sort of geeky little subcultures sometimes get quite violent, don't
0: they? <laughs> it's a lot of fish shaking, I would say, rather than actual violence. Oh
1: I'm sorry, yeah, I don't think any I don't I don't think it's like the East versus West Coast rap scene. No, not at all. <laughs> it's like shake That's harder, boy. <laughs> yeah, but but there's a lot of um there's a there's a word I'm thinking of, but yeah, there's a lot of animosity mm. between people.
0: Uh so yeah, it's Because, I said, I include some of these OVAs into the season. Just because I've always wanted to bring them to the show. But I've never actually found a way to bring them to the show. So, this is sort of like us killing two birds with one stone. Um, But next up, we have a film which I know Steven's a huge fan of. And that's Pulse. Which I keep saying that I was going to watch and never get around to. So, now was like the perfect time. And when it comes to like when you're doing the 31 Days. You really want to sort of be gorging on junk food than like fine dining. And... No matter what I do, there's always like one or two highbrow titles that always sneak into these months. I've had like things like Cronenberg's Crash or Stoker that've like sneaked their way into the 31. But as I said, um, this film came like highly recommended by yourself and like uh, Ben Chandler over on Third Window Films podcast and Bryce at my old former rival over at Things That Don't Suck. Um, You all raved about this film and how much you loved it. And I felt myself like Tom Hanks in Big, and just being like, I don't get it.
1: Yeah, and I'm not surprised. <laughs> that's no, Careful. that's not a, no no. That's not a diss on you. That's not no, a right. diss on you at all. So it's from the same director as Cure. Yep, Kiyoshi Kurosawa. The uh, yeah, the other Kurosawa, as I like to call him. Um, who. I was always surprised you liked Cure, to be honest with you, because I was thinking it's quite, it's it's a highbrow serial killer movie that I think we sort of struggled to fully understand. Um, Pulse, I think he made it, it it's either the film before or the film after he made Cure. Um, and it's a kind of ghost story for the internet age, um, very... Feels like it belongs in the same place as Sion Sono's Suicide Circle. Um, uh, it, it, what what the fuck's it about? I haven't watched it for a long time. Arrow, I guess you watched oh, it yeah, Arrow yeah. Player, But Arrow, Arrow did Arrow did do a, a Blu Ray which I've yet to watch, and I think it might be a film we'll probably cover in the main show. But it's got this to me. It's got this glorious feeling of dread about it. You know. A, a, and 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 then things escalate at the end. And I'm going to be honest with you, mate. Kurosawa has kept making that movie <laughs> for every other film for, for, for forever. Um, Before we vanish, which is one of his more recent ones, I feel is just another attempt at telling the story of Pulse. You know, with it's it's about Japanese society. You know, and, and the individuals. You know, the way that they don't really socialise with each other, and there's a whole generations of people who are just isolated from the wider group but also it got remade as one of these dreadful American remakes that totally missed Mm -hmm. the point but yeah I mean I haven't really let you talk about it I can I can understand that when you're rushing through 62 movies mate in 62 days and that's not the only stuff you're doing because I'm looking at your list. You've also managed to fit in things like
0: Rushmore. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, over of movies and have started our Wes Anderson season. So
1: yeah, so, so, so you're not just doing horror movies, but it's um, yeah, I can I can I can absolutely get it. I think it's a film you'll either fall in love with or you'll think, what's this? It's just what's this film about, and it, I, I think it's um. I think it rewards multiple watches but I remember it was very early in my In it was it was part of that early that time we always talk about that year 2000 ish J horror scene K horror scene where lots of stuff was being pushed on us and we got Audition and Battle Royale and Ju-On and this film Pulse came out yeah. at the same time and I remember it I think it got a UK release. If it didn't come out through Tartan, something similar. Um, I remember actually importing that and Cure on the back of some. Uh, again, we've talked. I'm sure I downloaded it from Yellow Cinema or something like that. But I actually got the original Japanese DVD, and then since I've got the 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 Arrow blu-ray which is just i never thought that film would ever come out properly like that but yeah maybe it didn't maybe maybe it was just maybe it was another one of kurosawa's films that came out maybe it was charisma or something what's the one reason it doesn't matter but yeah it's it's a it's, it's a mood piece as far as i'm concerned but then if i remember rightly it then goes full on disaster movie suggested right at the end, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah.
0: Everyone's. I mean, this is much like Perfect Blue. It's still like techno horror that taps into the potential of the, the, the internet. I mean, the internet at this point when this film's released is still in its infancy. It's not like now where everyone is sort of like hooked into the internet. But in Kurosawa's world, it's a portal for the ghost realm to invade the human realm. And they cause like depression, loneliness, and they cause these strange people to like disappear. And suicides and a lot of uh, sort of sort of feelings at the moment. That sort of, as you said already, that sort of like feeling of like isolation and loneliness that was sort of like ravaging many people in Japan. And we had people so they were just like never leaving the house, and their families would have to like bring them food. That subsect I can never remember the name of. Um, but as you said, I mean it. Eventually, it sort of like spreads across the city. But the film it gets like has some of those, like, key elements of, like, the J-horror boom, so we have things such as, like, you know, creepy images on screen, eerie phone calls, and at the same time, it's also getting bogged down in things such as, like, the forbidden rooms, and people, like, turning into ash, and, yes, I mean, obviously... For geeky folk like ourselves who get a real buzz out still hearing a dial-up modem, I mean, there's certainly things to enjoy here. But I think this is like you know one of those movies where I'm just going to have you or Benji like take me out for ramen and just explain what it's all about. Because
1: I've, I I definitely will rewatch it, and I think we'll definitely talk about it again. The word you're after is mori by the way, which which is the people that um. The, the the sort of the young people that never leave their parents' houses. And um it's not just a Japanese it's a very Asian pardon me, I just burped them. It's a very Asian phenomenon. If you remember the film I talked about Castaway on the Moon had a a female Hikikimori in Korea.
0: And was um a recently there's um, that uh, Mike movie uh, where they're all playing the games. Um as Yes. Um As God's Will? As the God's Will yeah, or something. Yeah, he's one of their main characters. With the one where
1: it. they never made the sequel. Don't even get me uh, started uh, on them the not making part a sequel one. To that
0: movie. It's so frustrating.
1: Yeah, it just it just it just ends and you think what next? But yes, it's a it's definitely a sort of a cultural not, not a stereotype. I think it's a genuine thing. But yes, um Pulse is is it's got a really weird pace to it. You're quite right. If you remember the days of AOL CDs through the post, and you've got mail, and the sound of a fifty-six point six k modem dialing. I think um, we can do the repli- replicate the noise they wanted. Yeah, uh, what I what I have to tell you, mate, is this week I have purchased a Wi-Fi modem for my Commodore. Of course creators. you have, <laughs> and and. And so basically, it, it's a bit of hardware plug into the back of my VIC-20, my Commodore 64, or, or one of my other Commodore devices. And I can do ATDTs to websites, which are people are still running BBSs. <laughs> and I just find this amazing that I can connect to my modern IT using a computer from the 19... 19- my Vic 20 was about 1981, 82, dialed to a BBS, which someone's got running on a Commodore 64 somewhere else in the world, over (laughs) wireless. It's amazing. (laughs) So yeah, no wonder this film appeals to me, because it's hitting that sort of sweet early 90s, early days of the internet stuff for me. But you're right, there's a whole bunch of weird stuff about red doors and ghosts. And I, I I remember a plane falling out the sky oh, yeah, yeah. There's the a end. plane that's
0: like, uh, as they're escaping the city, there's a big um, head lease right. that, uh, that's like crashing out in the city.
1: And and that just feels exactly the same as Before We Vanish, which is where three aliens come to basically pass judgment on the <laughs> earth before it dies. So yeah, he's making the same. Thing. But yeah, we'll talk about it again another time. Maybe it's time to get... Other people, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe if any anyone wants to come and join us on a show where we talk talk you through it, Elwood, <laughs> that's that's not that's not fair because I th- I I absolutely think it's not one for everyone. It was it was the weirdest one to get one of those early two thousand remakes. It's like they literally were buying up every Japanese horror. Uh, uh, as
0: I said, we go to the ramen house and I get like a dustbin lid of ramen. And you two and whoever we can have on can just like talk me through it (laughs) with the sound of me gorging in the background. Um, Uh,
1: yeah. What's is it um it's also known as Cairo, isn't it? That's the thing. So Pulse is like the English name, but it's K A I R O Cairo is the is the other name It, it went by when I first saw it. But it seems to have now just go by its English name.
0: Yeah. Uh, next up, we have Hiroko the Goblin, which is a film I've really put off because um, all the promo stills and stuff look really intense. And this is also a Shinya Tsukamoto joint, who, let's not forget, gave us Tetsuo the Iron Man and Tetsuo 2 Body Hammer. As well as, like, Bull in Ballet, Snake of Gym. A lot of really cool, crazy cinema. He was up there with like Miike back in the uh, the day they were like the two forerunners to just like make him really sort of out there and I think when it comes to the films of Tsukamoto he's a very influential director especially in terms of like the Japanese cyberpunk scene and it's even inspired his films have inspired like an American counterpart which are like American films inspired by the Japanese cyberpunk who themselves were inspired by the American cyberpunk so it's a movement within a movement within a movement a movement cubed but um <laughs> this is, the most surprising thing about this one is that it's a horror comedy and this is to tsukamoto he's coming off doing Tetsuo of the iron man he goes to make a studio picture and it goes wrong in many ways he falls out with his crew who don't like a kid bossing them around one of his actors he gets into a physical confrontation with uh they run out of money and the crew have to basically work for free just to get the film finished. But the end result is kinda of like his take on Ghostbusters, where he throws in the unseen horror of the evil dead, the body horror of the thing, and the overtop Monty Python style violence as well. As a Archaeologists with some wild theories on the supernatural, teams that were a student looking for his missing father, uh, with a pair ultimately battling this yokai called uh, Hiroko, who's got a penchant for decapitations and taking the decapitated heads of his bodies and put them on spider legs. It's a really bonkers yet really entertaining film, which has got some great practical effects there's also some really nice stop motion effects in this one as well and um, don't be put off by the stills because this looks like it's like really out there and insane but it's actually really accessible and fun and um, one that you should definitely check out there is a third window films disc out which has also got um, a commentary by Tom Mez um, who wrote um, the book on Tsukamoto Iron Man which I would recommend picking up along with his book on Miki Agitator
1: Yeah, Tom was part of Midnight Eye. He was. Night, he? Unfortunately, is, um, we missed him going off to is,
0: Japan because and... we tried to get him on the show and he was like heading off to Japan. So we've not quite managed to make our, our timings work. But um... yeah, Mid- Midnight
1: Eye website was sort of one of those resources I really relied on back in those days. I was just talking about when we were talking about Pulse, um, unfortunately. Or fortunately, I don't know. I think they made the decision that Japanese. Oh, yeah, they made this cares.
0: real sort of like and, new wave um, move, didn't they? Because they decided, that, as you said, that, uh, that there was Japanese cinema had nothing else to offer, so they quit. So it's like, okay, guys.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, they, they've basically said that there's no independent Japanese cinema movement. It was all just live action manga adaptations. And I think, to be fair, there is a bit of that. But then, ironically, you've just mentioned Hiroka the Goblin is, has been released by Third Window Films, which actually have put out a lot of Tsukumoto. They do. Films. They really like uh, um, Tukimoto,
0: um Yeah. That, that,
1: and and they do... It, it's it's not my favourite of the labels, because but they do concentrate on Japanese and indie-Japanese cinema. And it's thanks to them we got one cut of The Dead. Which, you know, I still think is one of the greatest Japanese Oh, well, it's not just that. We've tried. got,
0: um, <laughs> um, which I think we've got Fish Story through them. we got Tales of Surprisingly Fast Swimmers. Pe- yeah. Um, Peppermint Candy, I think, was one of theirs. Yeah. Oh, although
1: that's um, Korean.
0: So maybe, just, maybe, just maybe just not. just generally but, about but the tales they, they put out. It, so.
1: They're all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they they, they do have. They are. If, if you like your quirky indie. Japanese, a fish stories is a particularly good example um, they do go other than the Tsukamoto films they do tend to go just in slightly different places Arrow are great but I think they do concentrate on a certain sort of movie, Eureka obviously incredibly guilty of, of Kung Fu cinema <laughs> um, who's the other one 88 films are, are ploughing a certain furrow as well whereas the one that are doing properly contemporary movies is is the Third Window label. I think they've. I think it's all part Arrow and the uh, Third Window and Terracotta are all part of the same group now, aren't they? But I mean, Terracotta I think doesn't really do anything anymore um, on its own. But Terracotta uh, I think have
0: got their own yeah, I've, streaming platform now. Because I think they've moved into the, the studio. Yeah. The thing with, with Arrow is that um, when we had the London riots, a lot of them um, found their warehouses had been attacked, so they sort of teamed together, and it became like this powered by Arrow. And this is why you, and you see like, a lot of these labels now turn up on like, the Arrow player. that, And they'd be like, you know, Third Window Films or Revolution Films, I think, who did like uh, Big Time Gambling Boss. Um, they've got whatever deal that they've worked out, uh, with Arrow so that stuff gets put on, on, uh, on their platform, which is great because it uh, means that uh, more people get eyes on the product and hopefully go off and buy the discs if they like, like, uh, what they're seeing.
1: But yes, I haven't seen this one, but going back to what it is, um, but it is, a, it's, it's, it's been on the long-term, not since 1991, but it has been on the long-term watch list. So Komoto is a director, I, as we talked about when we did the Tetsu or the Iron Man, I think he's incredibly important. He's also done a movie, which is like one of my favourite movies of all time in Kotoko, which is another film I'm desperate to bring to the show, um, which I think is just the best, best visual interpretation of what having schizophrenia might be like. Ever. Which is a really weird way to boost a film. But there's also a bunch of stuff. I just don't dig at all. <laughs> I just don't understand at all. Um, but he is one of the. You know. He remains. One of those sort of. Unique Japanese voices. Um, also one. I'm hoping so far. Hasn't been ruined for us. He hasn't gone all Sion Sono on us. And had to be cancelled. I don't think. And. uh and we can still talk about him. So I will, um, actually, as we've been talking, I've just put it in my basket and Amazon because A, you said it's a lot of fun, and B, I really should get around to watching it one day.
0: Good. <laughs> I don't. Hoping that you enjoy. It. I think I think you will like it. We'll we'll bring it to the show, and we can go in it full because it uh, it's a it's a a bold title, uh, which brings us to the end of uh, tonight's uh, recap, which ends with Boxer's Omen, which was included in short, uh, Scors- nah, included in short scope volume two. I know look, there were some parties were saying like Messneries from Hong Kong was like the oddball choice of that, that set. And for myself, I was always going to say like Boxers Omen was the oddball pick of this uh, set. And I think revisiting it now, I can safely say Boxers Omen is the oddball <laughs> of that set. Um... The film itself, it uh, follows a boxer sent out to take revenge on the Thai fighter here played by Bolo Young, who's once again changing nationality so that he can play the rival fighter. Let's not forget, he was Korean in Bloodsport and he was just barely barely Chinese man in uh, Enter the Dragon, and here he is Thai. He does not look anything like a Thai fighter, but let's not put this again, because it's Bolo Young! Chinese Hercules himself. Um now what should have been you know a straightforward you know mission revenge you know fighter goes gets training comes back beats a big fighter Uh, ends up going a completely different path which made me wonder if two films have been taped together here as the film throws in an order of black of order of monks who he joins in their battle against an order of black mages and this also is a film which includes characters throwing up eels snapping crocodile skeletons beanie baby familiars and a character throwing up a live eel Um, there's also a number of gooey effects on hand here as uh, characters do horrible things uh because apparently Terranist magic is rather icky and yeah this is kind of like a confusing mess but not like in a fun way you know like as in invisible Shaolin or Shaolin Junkard or even like the battle wizard that favorite of us on the show um this as I say is just downright bizarre and even if, like, with all the sort of, like, gooey effects on hand, I mean, it really sort of tests, like, your Gore levels, really, because the story itself isn't particularly engaging. And, yes, there is full frontal nudity, so you get to enjoy that if that's your thing. But, um, ultimately, I just didn't get the cult appeal that this film clearly has to some people. Um, and it just sort of like ended up feeling like it's 15 minutes too long as it's like an hour and 45 and an hour and 30 would have been its real sort of sweet spot for it.
1: So, even though I'm a proud owner of both Shaw Brothers box sets, I haven't seen this. <laughs> I didn't realize that's the sort of film it was.
0: <laughs> and people were looking like they're covered in to porridge, but, but I mean, it's all practical it effects as well, so.
1: It's just there is that those two Shaw Brother sets are kind of interesting, and I'm pretty certain they're the only two we're ever gonna get because they're trying to cover a certain era of Shaw Brother, sort of the, the golden age to to the end, and very much with a couple of outliers like Mighty Peking Man and this one, and I think there's another one on the first set which isn't a Kung Fu, but on the whole they're Kung Fu movies and they're concentrating on a handful of directors. But there is this late, late Shaw Brothers, early 80s, before they just turned into a TV studio, Shaw Brothers that did these horror movies um, like Hex and Bewitched and Seeding of a Ghost and um, what's that one?
0: Oh yeah, uh, Human, Human Lands has been recommended yeah, for this month that, as well. So,
1: yeah, that that are clearly still Shaw Brother movies, but suddenly it includes a lot more gore, a lot of black magic, a lot of boobies. I mean, Hex is a film I love, but the boobies come out of nowhere. <laughs> it sort of, it starts off as sort of a period. Um, a classic Shaw Brothers period movie and there might be some ghostly stuff going on and then suddenly there's naked people covered in tattoos chanting and weird stuff. And I remember going on a lamb, and um, Mr. Brooks had watched Bewitched. And and again, sounds very similar. And I always wish that maybe they had just left this era of Shaw Brothers off for a box set of its own. Because I just don't think it appeals to the standard Shaw Brothers World. This is very much a studio going after a certain market in its you know, it's late stage, the death of the studio, basically. They're going after the VHS horror movie market. And they do it does have its charm. But I don't think it's the same charm that the Kung Fu movies had, if that makes sense. And I kinda wish there was a Shawscope sure scope horror box set where they put them all on so we could enjoy them or not enjoy them separately but that's just me but I haven't seen this yet I will watch it um it sounds like your feelings might be exactly what mine are going to be is that there's some nice stuff here but it's over long and it's just not uh, I just find them a bit of a mismatch (laughs) I just find them a bit like um Someone spliced together a horror movie they found in the video shop with a, another sort of movie altogether, and just doesn't. Always, they don't always work. I don't know, but practical effects—that's always a good, a good thing. We, we do. miss those days, don't um, we?
0: There's something about practical effects that is certainly, uh, certainly missing. And uh, as we we're recording this, uh, howling mad George who's just recently celebrated his birthday. The Japanese maestro of uh, practical effects, and he did—he's uh, done a lot of uh, great work. I mean, he did *Society* and he did the master *Slipknot*, and he's—he's uh, he's up there with like the likes of Rob Bottin and um, Stan Winston. So, but yes, that's the—the the, uh, week that was. Well, we can change, should we say? Um, So that's what we've been covering so far. Um, If you haven't done already, please do hit the like and subscribe button wherever you happen to be listening to us and follow us on the socials. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Freds, and we are also on Blue Sky as well. So come find us, say hi to us there, and you can also see what we've been watching as well. Um, But look out as well for our uh, episodes for this season. Uh, We've got, as I said, we've got Spooloss, or the vanishing on the way for the World Cinema Film Club. We've got Uncle Bumi, can recall past lives, and we've also got our uh, featured pick for this season, Dark Water, um, coming up as well. So we've got some uh, fun episodes to look out for on the feed as well. But until next recap, thank you for listening. Thank you to my co steven a spooky
1: pleasure as always.
0: And uh, until next time, good night. RUT THAT